Praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't we stand our feet and let's just enter into this place with thanksgiving. Let's enter his, enter his courts with praise tonight. Let's be thankful and bless his name. Hallelujah. We praise you tonight, mighty God. You're worthy of praise and we're here to magnify your name. We return to give you thanks for everything that you've done, everything that you are doing, everything that you're going to do this evening. God, we give you praise and thanksgiving. Oh, God, you're worthy. You're worthy. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. I believe God's going to do a, a mighty work in this place like he has just recent times the Lord has visited us in such special ways and tonight it's not going to be any different we're still his people we're still the sheep of his pasture and he's he's going to come and speak to his sheep tonight I'm so thankful for that amen amen y'all may be seated it's uh it's going to be a wonderful evening in the presence of the Lord and I just, I want to say something at the very beginning. We've done a, a, a few things uh, different in our gatherings um, recently. And we're going we're gonna to give everyone an opportunity to, to be a blessing tonight. Um, to, to give uh, for our guest evangelist tonight. How many of you know that uh, if, you want, if you want anything in this life, it costs money? pay for a lot of things, nice dinners, forms of entertainment. There's nothing better than being blessed by, by a ministry that God has given to someone who has poured into that ministry. And I'm so thankful that we have Reverend J. J. Bourne with us tonight, and I've uh, I've been blessed to meet with him last night for dinner and uh, just get to know him a little bit. And I, I told him before before we left um, Applebee's, which wasn't the highlight of our evening, uh, it was our conversation. And I said, uh, I'm leaving a better man and uh, thankful, thankful to have heard some of the, just the short time, just some of the things that he spoke and very encouraging and very uplifting and I believe God's going to use him to minister to all of us tonight so if you open up your heart to what the Lord might place on your heart uh, to be a blessing I want you to know I don't take any of that I never do I never take any of the money just so you know but if you want to be a blessing to the Lord, um, he's got a tremendous testimony, and I'll let him talk about some of that tonight. Uh, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. We won't take up an offering until the end like we do, just so you guys have have some time to let the Lord work, work over on you. Amen. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. That's going to do something amazing. He's going to speak something amazing into our lives. 
We're going to leave here with truth, more truth, more strength, and more healing, and more of what God wants to do. And so we encourage you tonight to worship, to magnify the Lord. And, uh, and that's what we're going to spend some time here doing. We're going to create an atmosphere for the Lord. I heard, I heard, I read this, I read this somewhere, um, that if our praises, if our praises were constructing a house for the glory of God, what would your house look like? So why don't we take our voice tonight and lift it up and just put brick upon brick and let's build a place for the glory of the Lord to fill through our, through our praise and thanksgiving tonight. Amen. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's lift him up. Why don't you stand back up in this house and let's lift up our voices. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. God, we worship you tonight. Lord, we magnify you, God. We bring you the fruit of our lips tonight, Jesus. Lord, we bring you a heart of thanksgiving, God. You've been so good to us, Jesus. Yes, we worship you, Lord. Why don't you let your voice out? Yes, God, we bring you hallelujah. We bring you the highest praise.
the master. I thank the Savior. Oh, because he healed my heart and he changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Can you just thank him right now? Oh, with your hands lifted. With your hands clapping. With your voice raised to him.
the same yesterday, today, and forever. God who keepeth covenant to them that love him and keep his commandments. The faithful God. We know him to be faithful, don't we, church? So thankful for his faithfulness. So thankful for his faithfulness. Even when we're not. He's still God. Still, even when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. Faithful, the one who is faithful. I'm so thankful that he's in the room. The faithful God is in the room. I believe he wants to speak to our hearts. I believe he wants to do a work in this place. So thankful to have Brother Bourne with us tonight. I know that you will richly be blessed. And uh, if you open yourself up to the leading of the Lord tonight, there's no telling what the Lord will do in your life and in this place. Amen. So thankful for the brief time that we have spent. And... Um, I want it to continue. Amen. I like what I have heard and felt in our conversations. And and as long as he's willing to come down this way to go see Brother Easterling, then uh, he has a place here to stop and, and minister. Amen. I know, I know the Lord is going to use him. And what I want to do is let you know to open yourself up. Be, be ready for whatever the Lord might speak to your heart. And let's just see what the Lord will do in this place. Amen. Brother Bourne, I want you to do whatever the Lord has required of you. And I want you to feel freedom uh, and to operate accordingly. We want to be obedient to the Lord. Why don't we give him a hand clap of appreciation as he comes to minister tonight. I don't know what you're expecting tonight, but I'm... have much to say during the day, so i got plenty to say at night. <clears throat> if you will just believe God with me, there's, there's so many things that God would do for us. Matter of fact, uh, I have seen so many things that uh, I don't want to get started on all of them, but I, I think of how good God is. Uh, <clears throat> I've been, this is my start, my 71st year of preaching. And so I got 
a lot of messages. I'm not going to try to preach them all tonight. But you might think I did when I get through, but um, uh, I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to be here. You know, sometimes uh, we look at things and we wonder how in the world things like this can happen, but God knows how to do it. So, Brother Pearson, there's there's nothing that God can't do. Uh, I have seen a lot of miracles. Uh, I've seen the dead raised 14 times, and uh, I think that's pretty good. It wasn't me, but God done it while I was there, and I was happy that I could be there and witness it. And... Uh, I've seen him create eyeballs while I was preaching. I've seen him change people's heart, and that's the greatest thing that could happen. I remember, I'll read a scripture in just a moment, but I was I was preaching, and uh, I looked down the aisle here, and about the second or third seat, I walked down, and I said, man, what in the world's wrong with your eye? He said, I don't have an eye there. I said, when did that happen? He said, I was born that way. I said, you've never had an eye there? He said, no, it's just a glob of white matter. And there was never an eye there. I said, well, God will give you an eye tonight. If you'll give him praise. I said, how, long, how old are you? He said, 73. I said, you, you've had one eye for 73 years. He said, yeah. I said, you leave here tonight with two. That's nothing too hard for God. And I finished preaching, and uh, he still was sitting there looking at me. And I turned around. I was talking to the pastor, Brother Dunaway, and uh, I heard someone scream. And I, I was standing like this, and I, I just didn't even move out of my tracks. I just turned. I said, what in the world? And this man come running. He said, something's happening in my eye. And we, Brother Dunaway and I, the pastor, we were looking and that white began to twist like that. And boy, I drew up. I said, boy, that, that looks bad. And all of a sudden, an eyeball popped out. Bloop. And he started screaming, I see, I see, I see. The next night was Sunday night, or the next service was Sunday night, and uh, we were, it was one of the worst rainstorms we had seen in quite a while. It rained nine inches that day, and was still pouring so hard, uh, from my car to the church, I got soaking wet, walked in, I had to preach in wet clothes, uh, I, I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, that there won't be enough to preach to tonight. But you know, when church started that night, there was not a seat left in the building and people were standing around the walls and God filled 29 men with the Holy Ghost that night. 
The youngest one was 30, and the oldest one was 85. And the Holy Ghost fell, miracles took place, and I have to give God the credit for it because he's the only one that can do that. <clears throat> Let me read a scripture. If I don't read a scripture, you won't think I preached. Judges chapter 5 and verse 1. I have several verses I'll read. Uh, Judges chapter 5 and verse 1. Then sang Deborah and, and Barak, the son of Abinoram, on that day saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. And when the people willingly offered themselves, Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the fields of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped and the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai, or pardon me, even at, from, from before the Lord, God of Israel, in the days of Shemgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, and the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased, and they, they ceased in Israel until Deborah arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people, bless ye the Lord. And then skipping down to verse 12. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake. Utter a song, arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thy son of Abinoram. They fought from heaven, the stars, in their courses fought against the Syria. The rivers of Kisham, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, swept them away. The ancient river, the river of Kishon, oh, my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. And then I want to skip to verse 23. Curse ye, Miraz, saith the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because... They came not to help the Lord, to help in the mighty, uh, help the Lord against the mighty. I, I want to talk to you a little bit on the subject. Don't just sit there. Don't just sit there. You can be seated. Don't just sit there. What God is saying, He wants us to be involved, and if we're not involved. Uh, God has some other plans for you. You know, I, I I guess people are scared to sit in the middle, afraid I'll bite them or something. Um, I can turn and look at you this way, and I can turn and look at you that way. But, you know, in, in my preaching from the time I was 10 years old, I was preaching seven, eight, nine weeks when I was 15. I was preaching... Oh, Lord, I, I had a stroke a few years ago, and uh, 
the stroke took me out uh, for a year and something, 13, 14 months. I couldn't say anything but yes. Couldn't walk. Couldn't turn my head this way. I had to look straight ahead, and someone had to help me get out of bed and help me into bed. It was bad. And uh, the doctor told me, he said, son, uh, let me tell you, you you will never speak again. You will never walk again. Just get used to it. He said, take your good book and put it on a shelf, but don't put it too high. Just put it where you can see it because that's all you'll ever need anymore. And that's, that's as much as you'll ever be able to say. And so I was stuck with one word, and that was yes. It could have been no, but uh, God let me say yes. My wife said, are you hungry? Yes. Are you tired? Yes. You feel good? Yes. You ready for bed? Yes. You ready to get up? Yes. That's all I could say. And I don't know how you would feel. I, I've seen people who was stricken with a stroke, and I had a, a very, very severe stroke. I, re I remember when I, my wife got me to the hospital, my blood pressure was uh, 365 over 212 or 213. Doctor says, you're fixing to die, son, or sir. And he said, don't move. And, you know, this was a doctor who did not believe in that God would do anything. He, he was there to help me. But when my blood pressure got so high and I was still, I, I could still see him, he, he fell down on his knees and I, I would to God that I had had a recorder to record the prayer he prayed that day. He said, Almighty God, this man needs you, and unless you help him, he's gone. And I thought it was gone. But somehow, one, one day uh, after being in that closet where I would, my wife would take me and I had a one of those chairs that, you know, goes out like that. And I, I'd sit there all day because that's all I could do. Wouldn't even turn the light on. I'd just sit I'd, with my good hand. I'd tell her, turn off the light. And I'd sit in that closet. One, one day I, I was sitting there and I, I said, God, if you're through with me, just just take me on out. I'm, I'm ready to go. That's I could think but I couldn't say it. I said, just just take me out. I, I'm, I'm ready. I said, but God, if you're not through with me, and if by chance you're going to heal me, I said, if, if you had let Mike Sarton from New Orleans, Marrero, if you just let him call me, I will know you're going to raise me up. Hadn't talked to Mike Sarton in six years. And uh, I was sitting there holding my phone, with my good arm, good hand, and I, I brought it around. And I looked at it, and 90 seconds it lit up, and it was Mike Sarton. 
Brother Sarton says, Brother Bourne, uh, I was out at the church and I was thinking about you and I just wonder if you could come preach for us. I said, yes. <laughs> he said, so you can come today? And I said, yes. So you'll be here this afternoon? I said, yes. He said, is that all you say? And I said, yes. Oh, Brother Bourne, get in your truck and come on down to see me. I said, yes. By that time, my wife was standing there, and she says, who, who are you talking to? And I just turned the phone, and she saw it. She said, Daddy, you can't go to New Orleans. That's 356 miles. How are you going to get there? I, I can't drive you. And your son, the pastor, he, he's busy. He can't take you. And I don't know anybody that can take you. And I said, yes. And I, I started trying to get up, and I was trying to pull myself up, and I couldn't. And uh, finally, my wife got me by the arm and pulled me up, and uh, I was trying to get a suit down. And by that time, my three daughters and my son walked in, and they stuck their head in that closet. And they, my son, he's kind of gruff. He said, Daddy, calm down now. You're not going anywhere. I said, yes. Oh, Lord. And he said, just sit down. And my wife looked at him and says, Roma, he's not going to sit down. He said, you get his things together and we'll load him in the truck. He hadn't been in a vehicle in over a year. Uh, and he's going to leave. We can't stop him. And so after about three hours, I had my clothes loaded. My son, big guy, make him look little. Uh, he, he weighed about 500 at that time. And so he was strong. He picked me up in his arms like that, walked me out to the truck. He had turned the truck around, heading out, and set me in the seat. And... Uh, my wife and my girls were all standing there crying. And uh, I, I couldn't look around. If I looked that way, everything went into a spin. If I looked this way, it went into a spin. So I just looked straight ahead. And I reached up and pulled it down and drive. And not one car got in my way. Not one red light stopped me. No cops stopped me. Uh, my Lord, every place when I was supposed to turn, it, it was clear. And finally, I pulled up in the churchyard after about seven hours. Didn't have to stop a time. And got there, and I was sitting there, and the pastor come walking up. He said, Brother Bourne, get out. He said, yes. He said, don't say yes another time to me. I said, yes. <laughs> My Lord, have mercy. You know, sometimes we don't believe God can do something. And, and I'm telling you, don't just sit there and look at me. Uh, I, I believe that we should be involved. It, it's not just pastor's place to get up there and pat you on the back and make you feel good. And then you go home and say, well, I thought I was bad, but I wasn't quite as bad as I thought I was. Because the way he talked, I'm doing all right. 
But sometimes he has to just say, this is what you got to do. You can't live like you're living. You've got to be involved. Once in a while, you need to stand up and say, preach it. And sometimes you need to hit the aisle of dancing and say, preach it. If you sit there, you know, I, I was preaching in one place and uh, I was trying to get them get involved. And finally the pastor said, Brother Born, we're old around here. Oh, and the average age of this church is about 80. And I said, uh, we, we can't get involved. I said, well, all I can say is I'm going to ask the Lord, you good folks that are living and live so good and so long, I'm going to ask God just take you all on out. <laughs> Maybe I'll preach your funeral and I'll tell you how good you've been for the next night. <laughs> Them old timers were in the aisle. <laughs> they wasn't quite ready to go. You know, you can sit there and think uh, you're justified in not being involved, but you've got to be involved. It's not just pastor's wife to sit on a um, musical instrument and sing or pastor to get over and beat the drums so he uh, deafens you. And, uh, it, it's, not, it's not the singer's place to just get up here and sing and you sit there and look at them. God wants involvement out of all of us. In every place that I've ever been that there was an involvement, oh, what the Lord began to do, and God will do it here. You know, I, I, I got to New Orleans or to Marrero that, that day, and uh, finally pastor says, Brother Bourne, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, we'll have church tonight, and then I'll try to get you back home. I said, I, I didn't know that you couldn't talk, couldn't walk. Uh, started to say you couldn't drive, but you did drive down here. And uh, he said, uh, I'll help you get dressed and we'll bring in. And so they rolled me in in my wheelchair and parked me right here like this. And I was sitting there with my Bible in my lap and I couldn't read. Uh, everything was confusing and I, I said, God, if, if you don't hit me tonight, they're going to ship me out of here tomorrow. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. And so I, I looked up and I, I saw three people sitting on the back pew. And it was three ladies. And, and I, I just pointed at them. And I said, yes. And they started screaming and jumped up and run to the altar. There were three Catholic ladies, first time in a Pentecostal church, and God filled all three of them with the Holy Ghost. So he said, well, we'll have one more night. The next night, they brought their companions and children, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And We went 26 weeks in revival. And in the 10th week, God gave me my voice back. Oh, hallelujah. At the 15th week, I was building cabinets in the church. God had helped me, and I hadn't stopped except for four years ago when cancer took me down. Oh, you know, cancer can't even stop you when God's on your side. Six months, I was in MD Anderson. I, I lost 75 pounds and just in a short period of time, and Cancer was from my chin down here all the way down to my lower groin 
There was 14 pounds of cancer in my chest. And I remember that night, uh, I was laying there unconscious, and 12 doctors were in my room, according to my grandson. And they said, he won't live till morning. And uh, when they all walked out about 10 o'clock that night, my grandson was standing there, and he took my hand and raised it up like that. And he said, God, it's too much for this man to do. Give him a little more time. Oh, dear Lord. In about 30 minutes, I woke up, and I was hungry. My Lord, have mercy. You know, when it looks like it's all over, it's not over. If, if, you, if you remain involved, God will work against every element that comes against you. It's not time to sit down. It's time to get up and get involved. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And, you know, just, just to be able to walk again, just to be able to stand up again. And now, since, what, you know, God touched me and raised me up. And the next day, I, 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 the doctor come by and he said, what happened to you last night? I said, well, I think I know, but you wouldn't understand if I told you. But uh, I said, could, could you put me back through that tunnel again? You ever been through the tunnel? My Lord, all those sounds, uh, I can't even describe them hardly except there's some high pitch and there's some low pitch and then some, ooh, ooh, and boy, you're standing there and it got you like this. When it got to the other side and the doctor come in, looked at the x-rays and I said, did you find anything? He said, no, but we know it's there. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I said, how do you know, doctor? You couldn't find it. He said, well, he said, we know it's probably hit in your head. I said, 14 pounds? <laughs> he said, well, uh, you, you, you never get rid of that, sir. It's, it's there. I said, look, you, you got that sign. I, I noticed it hanging in your office. Uh, what's that big, biggest prize you can get in medicine? What, what what do you call it? They they pay you six hundred and forty thousand or or million dollars. What is it? It's a it's it's a super prize in medicine. Does anybody know? What? No, no, that ain't it. Yeah, look it up. I can tell you, but I, I know there's a phone here. There's 80 people here. There's 80 phones. What did you say? No, it's not Edison. The Nobel Peace Prize. Anybody ever heard of that? The Nobel Peace Prize. There's he got this big plaque on his wall. I said, you didn't get that because you're stupid. 
I said, you got that because you're smart. And I said, you tell me I got cancer in there when you couldn't find any? Now I've gained more than I was before, so I'm fighting that, uh, trying to hold my weight down. And, uh, you know, when you get 81, it's a little hard to... Told my wife, I said, I'm going to try to come home in two weeks. I've been gone two months. And, um, my Lord, have mercy. You know, if you don't just sit there and you come to church, I heard you praying. I didn't look around to see who was or wasn't because I wanted to be able to preach to you without any reservation. But God wants us to pray and he wants us to worship. And, I come up worshiping the Lord, and uh, that's all I've known. And then here in my 71st year of preaching, I feel like I may be a little qualified to tell you, if you will praise him when you come in here, and sometimes we got you got to get like the piano player was doing up there a while ago. you got to get involved where you get emotional. And I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But this is Friday night. This is not an emotional night, is it? Uh, it should be because we're able to come in here. You know, and now since God healed me of that cancer, uh, for three years now since I got out of that hospital, I don't have one pain, not one, not one toe ache, not one headache, not my eyes. I had bifocal glasses, trifocal glasses. Now I just got... $3 pair of Walmarts when, when the writing's so little I, so I can read it. And I, I, don't need, I don't need glasses to drive. Uh, I wake up in the morning, I, I feel good. My Lord. And so I don't just sit there. I say, well, God, if, if you're that good to me that I, I wake up in the morning, uh, the, the other morning I, I got there and I said, well, I'll just exercise and go out. I said, my Lord, might as well get up. I ain't going to hurt. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And not one ache. I can get in the car and drive a thousand miles and get out and preach and get in the car and take off again. And not one, not one ache. Uh, I doubt if as many of you got that kind of gift. I think it's a gift from God. No headache. Well, actually, he healed my headache 45 years ago. I had my headaches, uh, they would last two years. I'd, I'd just stagger around. And I'd, I'd walk to the pulpit, and I'd, I would hold my head like that. I couldn't even open my eyes, and I'd preach. One night, I, I, I turned to the pastor where I was, and I said, Sir, unless God heals me tonight, I, I feel like I'll die with this headache. It's so severe. And I said, could you pray for him? And I, I should have had my eyes open, but I didn't. And he anointed me. I, I didn't see him, but this is the way it, it looked like it felt. He come around and hit me upside the head. When I tell you, when he hit me, he hit me. And I staggered sideways like this. And I said, I finally got my balance. I said, I, I didn't ask you to kill me. 
I thought he had. But you know, when the stinging from where he hit me with his fist upside the head, when that eased off in about five minutes, the headache was gone, and I've not had another headache. Not with a stroke, I didn't have a headache. Not with cancer, I didn't have a headache. And to this day, it's been 45 years. I have to give God the praise. So it's, it's not too cold or it's not too hot. And so I, I try to tell people, you're going to have to get involved because if you're going to a place where you're going to shout for a million years, you might ought to stay in shape. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. God's good to me. Oh, Lord. I say, God's good to me. Oh, dear Lord, have mercy. I know the ability of the Almighty God. You know, I, I, I was in uh, South America preaching for... Uh, mission missionary um, Miller. Anybody know Brother Miller? He was a missionary for many years down in, uh, it was down where they drank that Kool-Aid. You have to be old to remember that. Or remember the Kool-Aid when they, uh, and all of them people died drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, that fellow was a member of a church in St. Louis. He, he got sideways with a pastor and took about 300 people down there and then when the government got strong on him he made them some Kool-Aid and they all drank it and they all died anyway I was about 10 miles from that place drove me down looked at it one day and I said oh I don't even want to get out here but um, while I was there uh, actually the first day I got there it was uh when, when we got there, the electricity in the whole country was out. And so Brother Miller and his wife and myself, we sat on the porch outside the house all night. And uh, the next morning, uh, when it got daylight, I was talking to Brother Miller, and I said, Brother Miller, I said, is there anything that you need that uh, you don't know what you're going to do without? He said, well, yes, sir, there's there's a very serious need financially here. And I said, well, I've got good news for you. I don't have it. But I know where you can go and get it. He said, well, where? I said, get in your, your uh, vehicle. I believe he had a station wagon. I said, get in that station wagon and go due west. And I don't know which way due west is. Just um, turned around because there hadn't been no lights and I hadn't seen the sun. It was heavy overcast that day. And I said, drive due west till you come to a major four-lane crossroad and turn turn uh, right, which would be north. And I said, then slow down to about 12 miles an hour and just drive like that, and God will meet your need. So Sister Miller said something to me, and I turned and was talking to her. And I heard the car crank up, and I said, well, where'd your husband go? He said, she said, he's gone. <laughs> said, he's on his way to find that four-lane highway. And I said, my God, he could at least took me with him. 
Anyway, he's gone about an hour, and he come back, and he walked in the house with a big old sack. And I said, what, what you got there, Brother Miller? He said, you know, I've done what you told me, preacher. He said, I, I drove west, and I drove north when I hit that, and I slowed down. And those 18-wheelers would come by me blowing the horn and telling me I was number one. You'll get that after a while. <laughs> and he says, and while I was just easing along doing 12 miles an hour, all of a sudden my windshield was just covered, and I thought, my Lord, and I, I hit my brakes and pulled off the road, and I looked, and it was $20 bills. And he said, I jumped out, and I started filling up my pockets, front pockets, back pockets, inside my coat. And I was grabbing, I was holding all I could, and I saw a big old bag laying over there, and I got it, and I started stuffing it in that bag. And cars, trucks come by, and they'd blow the horn, get out of the road, fella. They couldn't see it. Their eyes were blinded. But he could see it all. And he kept stuffing it in that bag, and he got there, and he said, he said, uh, Brother Born." I, I have to turn this in. You know, this is South America. It's not like the United States. I said, you mean God give you instructions on where to go to find it? And you got it? And you brought it back to the house? And you're going to turn it back into the government? I said, if, if you're going to do that, give it to me. <laughs> I guarantee you, I won't turn it into the government. You're a government official. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I said, well, let's, let's count it. So he pulled all the curtains, and his wife lit some candles. We poured it out on the table, and we counted for a couple of hours, stacking it. And, and when we got finished, it was $170,000 in $20 bills. I said, will that take care of your needs? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, that's good enough for God. He knew exactly what you needed, and he knew exactly where you needed to go to pick it up. You know, uh, He could have just said, oh, come on, Brother Bourne. I think I'll just sit here. I'm not going to sit there. I'm going to be involved. Hallelujah. My Lord, have mercy. And a, a few days later, he said, Brother Bourne, there's 80 acres right out here. I, I, I want to take it out there and look at it. So we went out there, and there was a house sitting on it that had uh, 6,000 square feet. And there was another house right beside it. It had uh, 3,500 square feet, two-story. And uh, it was planted in 80 acres of pineapples. And uh, there was three rivers that run through it. And he said, Brother Bourne, do you think God could give me this? I said, yeah. He said, Rick, what will I have to pay? I said, $20. He said, oh, come on, Brother Bourne. Let's, let's be real. I said, okay. You give whatever you want. But God told me he could get it for 20 bucks. There was a realtor sign out there. and So I, I said, get the number and we'll go see the man. So we, we got into town. And um, when we walked into that realtor's office, it was a, uh, 
Indian man, dark, dark. And we walked in. He said, oh, come right in. Come right in. He said, what can I do for you guys? I said, um, tell him, Brother Miller. He said, we looked at this 40 acres out here. And he said, oh, yes, 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 yes. Make me an offer. And I punched Brother Miller and I said, here's your chance. <laughs> he said, uh, we're ready to give you 20 bucks for it. That man got so mad, he jumped up, leaned over that day, said, get out of my office. He says, I'm asking $4,000 an acre. And you offer me 20 bucks. Get out. And he climbed over. Didn't even come around the desk. He climbed over that desk. He said, I said, get out. And so Brother Miller and I, we, we didn't turn our back on him. We backed up to the door. And, and uh, we went through the door. And Brother Miller said, uh, that wasn't so good, was it? I said, no, sir, it wasn't. I said, but God's not through. So we give the man a chance to sit down and cool off a minute. And then I opened the door and I stepped in. I said, sir. If you don't do it, I'm asking God to put coconuts in your bed and you won't sleep a wink. Boy, he come across that desk again and I run. <laughs> Brother Miller and I got in the car and, and then I come back to the States and uh, about three months later, Brother Miller, one day the phone rang and it was Brother Miller. He said, Brother Bourne. I said, yes, sir. How's it going, Brother Miller? He said, Brother Bourne, I got something I got to tell you today. I got that land for 20 bucks. I said, how did that happen? He said, that man called me this morning and told me that I must come to his office. And so I went there and I got to the door and I said, you don't mean any harm, do you, sir? He said, no. He said, I haven't slept a wink now in three months. He said, I lay down on the bed or on the floor or on my couch and it, it, like I'm sleeping on coconuts. He said, I can't sleep. He said, can you get those coconuts out of my room? He said, yes, sir, I can if you'll give me that land for 20 bucks. He said, I've already got the, uh, the papers drawn up. If you'll just sign it and give me 20 bucks and get out of here. So Brother Miller grabbed his pen and signed it and picked up the deed of trust to that 80 acres. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He said, Brother Bourne, I got it for 20 bucks. I said, you know, he could have said, oh, that's impossible. Just like some of you say. Not all of you. Just most of you. You believe God will do anything? Allied University Security Services, is that where you work? You probably couldn't buy no land around here for 20 bucks, not for 80 acres. How, how much is that acre? No, no, no. 80, 80 acres for 20 bucks. How much is that acre? So surely someone here is a mathematician that can figure that out. How much? 25 cents an acre. That's a pretty good bargain. 
that's an incredible bargain. And what I'm saying tonight, God can do things for you that is absolutely impossible. It was absolutely impossible that I'd ever walk or talk again, but here I am. It was absolutely impossible that cancer would be out of my body, but here I am. Oh, Lord. And uh, uh, I've got people that I know that they say, Brother Bourne, I, I can't even drive 50 miles, and I, I'm all wore out. I said, man, you, you need what I got. You ought to be a preacher. Oh, Lord, have mercy, I'd, I'd die with a heart attack if I was a preacher. I said, look, God can do anything we allow him to. And so, and uh, I'm telling you, man, I, I feel like singing a song. And I, my voice kind of bad on me, but uh, I, I made a gospel song out of this song. It, it wasn't gospel, it was by... Uh, James Brown um, I feel good you ever heard that song so I'm, I'm going to sing part of that for you but when I get to feeling like I'm feeling right here tonight I, I just, I just want to stand up for this congregation and I feel good do, 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 do. I feel good do, 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 do. wow I feel good do 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 so I, I made a gospel song out of that one. Oh, dear Lord. If I can do this at 81, you could at least give praise to God when God touches you a little bit. I'm not telling you you got to drive a thousand miles. You just got to get, get your hands in the air and believe that God will do for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, uh, uh, this, this, this guy come to church and he, he prayed through the Holy Ghost and I, I was glad he did. And, uh, after church he come, or next night he come to church, he said, Brother Bourne, I am in trouble. I said, what in the world? He said, when I went home, told my wife what I had done. She told me to get out and don't ever come back. Because I don't want nothing to do with that church. I said, well, that's your decision. I would hope that you would stick with us. But if you don't, you got a wife that you got to please. And if you please her, you can never come back here. I said, but if you please God, you will stay here. He said, the unfortunate thing was uh, where I worked, she rose higher than I did, and she's my boss. And so the next day she fired him. I said, that's okay. I said, she got your car and got your truck, and she's got the house and all the furniture. And he said, well, what am I going to do? I said, well, I don't know what to tell you to do except live for God. I think living for God is the most important thing. And I said, so he said, well, I don't, I don't have a, a job. I'm, I don't know what to do in the market. I said, well, if you'll just 
uh, he said, well, what am I going to do to even find a job? I said, well, I got a car, an extra car. I'll give it to you. So I, I give him the car and give him the title to it and fill it up with gas. And I said, this will get you a few days. I said, but you need to be in church every night. And so he, he was he was a man that uh, when he started talking, he, he um, had problems with a speech. And he'd have to stutter around. And finally, he'd, then he'd say it real fast. I need the help of the Lord. He said, I can, I, I can find a job. I said, you'll find a job and it won't be enough to live on. He, he found a house that he could rent and with the help of myself and the church, we got him in the house. But he didn't have one stick of furniture, not one washcloth, not one sheet, not one pillow. And he slept on the floor for one year. And the job that he had, he didn't have enough to even buy groceries, didn't even need a refrigerator because he was just living from day to day. And at a year, he come to me and said, Preacher, he said, how long do I have to live like this? I said, till God tells me what for you to do. You willing to do that? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'm trying to be willing. He said, man, he said, that floor is hard. I still don't have a pillow. I don't have a washcloth. I, I have water and I, I rinse off. But he says, you know, it's, it's been a rough year. I said, I said, well, I'll continue to pray. Are you still willing to wait till God talks to me? He said, well, I don't have any choice now. And I told him one day, uh, he come walking in and He walked up and I said, I said, son, let, let, let me tell you something. God just told me that this is a business you need to get in. He said, Brother Bourne, I, I don't know nothing about that. I said, you don't have to when God's on your side. I said, you just start this business and this is what you do. And I give him instructions. And I says, and God will bless you. And so he, he called me the next day. He said, Brother Bourne. Uh, I, I'm willing to do that. But he said, I, I, I saw an ad in the paper today. Um, this man says that he was uh, had lost his visa and was having to sh be shipped out of the United States and says the, the deal said that he had uh, a house full of furniture, four bedrooms, and uh, he, he said he had to sell it by a certain hour the next day. And he said, uh, I don't have the money. Could could you go with me over there and see if maybe we could buy that furniture? And I said, well, yeah. So we went over there and I said, sir, what is the least you'll take? He said, I need $470 to buy my ticket. That's what I need to finish it. I've got to ship out tomorrow. If you give me $470, you can have everything in this house. Four bedrooms, a table and chairs and china cabinet, all the plates, all the spoons and the forks and all the grocers and 
uh, four bedrooms and three of the bedrooms had never been slept on and there was dressers and uh, credenzas and uh, television. He could sell that thing, get rid of it. But uh, he bought, or I bought, I went and I, I, I just reached in my wallet and I had $500 and I just peeled it out and I said, here, would that do? And he said, yes, sir, that'll do. I said, uh, we'll be right back with a truck and we got the furniture and moved it out. All the spoons and the forks and the knives and the plates and all the furniture, all the sheets and the spreads and the pillows and all the tablecloths and the chairs, uh, big fancy dining room set with uh, eight chairs. And, and uh, we got all of that for less than $500. And then he went to work. And in one year, this, this is what's hard to believe. In one year, he had built that business because God helped him. And he was worth $30 million. And his wife come to him and wanted to work, and she, he hired her. I said, well, that's good. He said, just so I could fire her. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I say, well, you do what you got to do, son. <laughs> oh, Lord. Sometimes that's the only thing you got left to do. <laughs> you know, and sometimes all God wants you to do is just get up. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm, uh, I'll just raise my hands. And One fellow told me, said, Brother Warren, I'm, I'm a cripple. I can't. I said, God don't expect you to get out and run and dance if you cripple. Um, another person said, well, Brother Gordon, I'm old. I said, well, that's not an excuse because I, I've, I've seen him shouted like this. And, and I says, and God bless them. I said, he picked me up from a stroke and give it all back to me. He picked me up from cancer and completely healed me. Uh, that 75 pounds that I lost so quick, I unfortunately gained it back. And uh, here I am today, and uh, I've been dieting and trying to trying to lose. And uh, since I left home, I've lost 35 pounds, but that ain't enough. I'm still too big. And um, maybe I get home, my wife won't recognize me. But, you know, but I'm going to give it everything I got, and so I don't hurt. I was in the room today, and I was sitting there, and I said, I'll just do five spasms. And I said, I can't even get tired. I know. You say, Brother Bourne, you're exaggerating. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't have one pain. I don't need my trifocals anymore. My Lord. Uh, I don't have no heart problems. My blood pressure's not up like it was. Uh, day before yesterday was 116 over 58. Uh, uh, that seems like it's low, but I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. And, and all I can say is, God, I'm not going to just sit here and dry up. I, I'm going to do something to the last. If I live till I'm 100, I'll be preaching. If I die tomorrow, I've done a good job. I've at least stayed busy. 
Oh, hallelujah. This year, uh, I'm going to preach except for two Sundays, all the way up to December the 17th, and then I'm going to go home for two weeks. Me and my wife's going to enjoy life. My Lord, she's 85, and uh, I said, uh, next time I leave home, you're leaving with me. My Lord, have mercy. You know, if God didn't care, it wouldn't even matter that you're here on a Friday night. But God's fixing to do something for some of you depending on your response. You know, I, I was one place, and I, it wasn't this message, but I, I was talking in this vein, and there was a lady sitting on the fifth row, one, two, three, four, fifth, fifth row, and her husband was sitting by the aisle, back where that lady's got that red-looking yellow, deep red. Um, anyway, she's sitting on the inside of him, and I, I looked at her, and I said, Ma'am, uh, I said, God told me if you would respond, he would help you on your job. And before I finished the sentence, she jumped over her husband and hit the aisle a-dancing, and she danced till she was finally up here, right along here in front of the pulpit. And she shouted and danced till she finally fell down in the floor and just laid there kicking. And some of the people was watching her. Some of them had their hands folded and says, that ain't necessary. And I looked at them and I said, it is for her. She believed what I said and you didn't believe me. So... After about, I finally I would just lean over on the pulpit and I said, she done stole the show here tonight. And I, I looked at her when she finally settled down. I, I said, a couple of you ladies come help her up and they helped her set up. And I says, now, because of your response, whatever you ask for, I don't care what it is, whatever you ask for right now, God's going to grant it. And boy, then I saw people look over to their neighbor and say, what if he don't? And I looked at them and said, what if he does? I saw, I read their lips, what if he don't? And I said, what if he does? So, she worked at the hospital. She'd been working at the hospital 14 years, and all she'd done was mop floors, and she was making minimum wages. I don't know what the minimum wage is here, but it, it's not enough. Anybody here make minimum wages? Anyway, I, at church, I says, when you go in and talk to your boss, I don't know what you're going to tell him, but and I don't know how he's going to respond, but God's going to do something for you tomorrow. So she went in, and she was mopping the floors. She said, you know, I, I bought an extra dress, that little green outfit that you got at the hospital, you know, just mopping the floors. And she said, I, I brought me some shoes and a dress, and when my boss gets there, I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm gonna, the, the, the assistant administrator's job is open we lost our assistant administrator, and I'm going in for that. And I said, I almost swallowed my tongue. And I thought, 
She's a mop lady. And she's going in for the assistant administrator's job tomorrow. And I looked at people. They said, They didn't say it, but I read their mind. We got you, dude. God can't do that. She's not qualified. She wouldn't get that. But that next day she went in and she I knocked on the administrator's door and she said, when he said, come in, she walked in and she said, I, I want to fill out the application for that assistant administrator's job. I understand it's open. And he said, Pat? She said, yes, sir. I said, you clean floors and clean hospital rooms, and uh, you're just a laborer. She said, yes, sir, I understand that, but I want to fill out that application. He said, oh, okay, I'll give you the application. He said, no, you can bring it back tomorrow. She said, no, I want to fill it out right here in your office. Well, she done got bold. And Ollie said, well, sit down, Pat. So she sat down, and he handed her an uh, application, and she sat there, and it took her a while to fill it out because, you know, she wasn't too smart. Is my time up yet? It's 8.30 if you're taking medicine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord. She got through filling out that application, and she stood up, and she handed it to her boss and said, uh, when does the hospital board meet? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, we have a meeting this afternoon. And he said, so you're going to give this application to the hospital board this afternoon when you have that meeting. And he looked at her for a moment, and he said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll turn it into him. That's, I mean, that's all I can do is turn it into him, and so... That meeting, that evening when the hospital board met, they went through the business that they had to go through. And uh, when he got through, his, uh, there was a motion to dismiss the meeting. He said, there's, there's one other thing. And he, he got real low and he said, Pat, out there mopping, cleaning the rooms. He said, she come into my office this morning and put me on the spot to fill out an application for the assistant administrator of this hospital. And uh, I, I didn't have any choice. I let her fill out the application. Uh, and so I told her I would present this to the board. And so uh, we'll take a motion for that, for closure of this meeting now. And the man raised his hand. He says, could I make a motion that we vote by secret ballot? There was a second, so they went into that process and uh, they passed out ballots and they voted and the man the administrator says you know uh, I'm going to have to face Pat tomorrow and so I'm going to be able to tell her I voted for her I know you didn't get the job Pat but I did vote for you I want you to know it but the unfortunate thing was or should I say the fortunate thing, that every member of that hospital board thought the same way. Each one of them says, I know everybody else is going to vote against Pat, but I'm going to vote for her. 
and I know she, she don't qualify for the job, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to vote. So I'll be able to tell her when we're walking down the hall, Pat, your 14 years is not forgotten here. We, I, I voted for you. But everybody, God made everybody think the same thing. And when they counted the vote, she had been elected unanimously. And so the, the administrator walked out into the hallway and he said, Pat, well, we need to talk to you. So she walked in there and she said, is something wrong? They said, no, nothing's wrong. Not too bad. Uh, depending on what you think's wrong. And he said, uh, we just had a vote on, on you and you got a unanimous vote. So tomorrow you wear your best dress back in here and uh, there's your office right over there and we'll see how long you make it in that office so the next day she got there and she laid her head on the desk she said God you got to help me the administrator said he's going to dictate a letter to me today and I don't even know how to type I don't know shorthand and I I have problems writing it all and God if you don't help me I don't know what I'm going to do and about the time her phone buzzed and the, the doctor uh, the administrator said Pat, we, we got to dictate this letter. So he called her in and he started talking. He was talking fast and she had her pen and she wasn't even looking at him. She was just doing like that. He said, are you getting what I'm saying? He said, yes, sir. She was just scribbling on a piece of paper. <laughs> she went to her office and laid her head down and started weeping. She said, God, I just scribbled. I, I, didn't, I couldn't write as fast as he was talking. And I just scribbled on a piece of paper and said, you're going to have to interpret this for me, God. And she sat there at the typewriter, and she started typing. You know, like some of you type. <laughs> and she sent this letter to another hospital from this administrator. In about two weeks uh, Pat got a call. Uh, bear with me just a few more minutes. I'll, I'll finish up here in a little while, about 11 o'clock. But uh, <laughs> Pat finished that letter, and she says, Oh, God, this is the first letter I've ever written. And she had typed it up and sealed it and sent it to that doctor. And, and uh, he called her. He said, are you Pat? He said, yeah. He said, well, I, I have some questions for you. He said, you sent me a letter. And I, uh, she said, well, sir, I, I'm sorry. It's the first letter I've ever written. It says, uh, I, I know it's bad. He said, no, that's not, that's not the problem. He said, where did you learn how to write? She said, I didn't. He said, well, who typed this letter? She said, I did. He said, I've never seen a letter like this in my life. He said, I, I want to ask you something else, Pat. Would, would you be willing to come to work for me? She said, look, I just got this job, <laughs> and I like my job, and I'm making 15 times more than I ever made in my life, and so I, I like it. He says, 
Well, I don't know what you're making. I'm not going to ask you that, but whatever you're making, I'll give you $100 a week more if you come to work for me. She said, just a minute. She laid the phone down, walked over and knocked on the administrator's door, and he said, come in. And he walked in. She said, uh, Dr. So-and-so is on the phone, and he told me that he would give me $100 a week more than you're paying me. And I just wanted to run that by you. He said, well, Pat, we don't intend to lose you, so you go tell him I'll match that. So she went back to her office, picked up the phone and says, look, my boss told me that he would match that, so I, I appreciate the raise that you got me today, $100 a week. He said, I'll raise that 100 She said, hold on a minute. She went back in there and she told the administrator. He said, well, Pat, uh, you're driving a hard bargain, but I, I, you tell him that you work for me, and so I'll match that. So she went back to her office, and she'd done that four times. And each time she got $100 a week raise. Now, all of a sudden, she's making more than she's ever made and was happy with it, and now she's making $400 a week more than that. My oh, Lord. It's Friday night. You don't have. I mean, it has to work tomorrow. God bless you. Anyway, some of you probably needs to, but um, about five months from then, I was I started a service in Houston where I was pastoring, and, and I looked, and Pat and her husband were sitting on the front seat, and I I looked, and I said, Pat. What are y'all doing here? I said, I'm fixing to call your pastor and tell him you're here and you don't belong here and I'm going to send you home because I don't want someone coming from their church down here. She said, uh, could, I, could I say something? I said, well, yeah, you better say something. She said, uh, I'm, I'm down here buying hospitals. I said, you're buying hospitals? I said, how many have you bought? She said, 24. I said, oh, God. She went from. She had went above that man that she was working for as administrator. And now she was over many hospitals in that area. And now she's buying hospitals. And she had bought 24 in the Houston area. And I said, my God, now she don't work. She built a mansion sitting on, on the high hills there in Austin, Texas. She bought the whole mountain and built a mansion on top of it and retired with millions and millions and millions of dollars. I said, what does your husband do? He said, he works for me. I wasn't supposed to say that, but. And you think God can't do anything. I found out when I'm up against the wall, I give it all I got. And if that ain't enough, I pound the floor with my feet and I start worshiping 
and I dance and I run. And I said, God, if it ever worked for anybody, it's going to work for me. And I'm going to be one that's going to receive whatever I'm supposed to receive because I qualified for it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So uh, I, I, I don't have a pain. I don't have a worry. I, everything's taken care of. Uh, oh, Lord, have mercy. Y'all are mighty quiet. How, how would you like to go from minimum wages to a multimillionaire in one year? How would you like to do it in 20 years? I'd be happy. But um, I don't have no worry anyway. God takes care of me. And sometimes I get nothing. Sometimes I get more than nothing. And God takes care of me everywhere I go. And there's always food to eat, more than I need. So I have to turn it aside and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, can't eat that. It's not because I don't want it, because it looks mighty good. But God, uh, he, he looks at us tonight and he said, well, I, I want to take this church to another level. Pastor, I would like to come back sometimes later when this whole section is, is someone sitting in every seat. And this section is someone sitting in every seat. And this section is someone sitting in every seat. And people are standing against the wall over here because it's not a seat. And some are sitting up here on the, the kids. They, they put them up here on this uh, low seat here. And, and uh, the kids are worshiping God because God's been good to them. Oh, hallelujah. I know what God will do because he's done it for me over and over again. Matter of fact, you know, uh, let, 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 let me see this. And I, I'm, I'm trying to finish by whatever time. And so uh, my wife said to me one day, she said, sweetheart, will we ever have a vehicle that we don't just give away to some preacher comes along and they worse off than we are and we just give them our car? She said, when are we going to have one of our own? I said, when God says, he'll do it. And I'd give away 14 vehicles. Preacher come along. I'd, I'd buy a trailer and give to them, rent them a house. And, and then in 1996, how many years ago was that? 96, 106, 116, 27 years ago, uh, someone walked up to me and said, Brother Bourne, uh, I, I don't want to offend you, but I've I got a car I'd like to give you. I said, what kind? <laughs> so they give me a brand new vehicle. And I was thankful to the good Lord. I said, maybe this thing has changed. And since 96, I'm driving number 18 in a row. Number 18 sitting right out there in a row that was just given to me. And, you know, I give away used cars, and God give me 18 new ones in a row. Oh, dear Lord, have mercy. And so I'm not complaining now. I want you to know that I'm not complaining because he's given me some good ones. Uh, I was a Chevrolet man, but they started giving me Fords, and so they're the, they're the kind now I like. Uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Whatever God's got, I'm, I'm ready. And so I, I, I got a new one up. I got it in December this past year, and I've got 
32,000 miles on it since since January 1. And uh, if when it wears out, there'll be another one come floating down the road and God will give me another. If he don't, I'll drive that one to the wheels run off of it. Because God has been so good to me. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I said I'd quit. Got to tell one more story. Not a lie, but just a story. I don't know, I don't know if y'all believe me on these things I'm saying or not, but uh, that's your problem if you don't. So I, I went to this place to preach in Can uh, Missouri, up in Missouri. And uh, my wife and I, we drove 13 hours to get there in bad weather. And we, we walked in and uh, she and I sat down right where pastor sat and I was sitting on the end and she was sitting next to him and I leaned over to her. Church had already started when we got there and I said as soon as church is over we're going back home. She said daddy uh, we, we drove 13 hours we're supposed to be here tomorrow night and Sunday morning, Sunday night because this is their 25th anniversary and they wanted you to preach the anniversary. I said well I'm sorry we're going home. I'm, I'm, that's just the way it is. She said well, Boy, they're not going to like it. I said, I know it. Church was dismissed. I went up to the pastor and I said, Pastor, I know this is not going to be what you want to hear, but I'm fixing to leave and go. And he said, oh, no, oh, absolutely not. You, you, uh, you're, you're, you're supposed to preach here tomorrow night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And, and he said, this is our 25th anniversary. He says, we've had you on the schedule for a long time. I said, I know that, but I said, I'm going home. How do you think he responded? Real negatively. He turned around, walked off, and walked to the pulpit. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, Brother Bourne's leaving tonight. And says, and I don't like it. And he says, tomorrow night, I won't ever remember this church to be here at 5 p.m., He said, if you're not here, don't ever come back. And I said, he shouldn't have said that. Because what if someone accidentally can't be there? But the story was, at 5 o'clock the next evening, every member, everyone that even claimed to be at their church, they were there. And they was wondering, what in the world? And they looked. Coming out of the west was the most horrifying tornado that they had ever seen. Two miles wide. They had left their homes, and that tornado come across that town of Joplin. And every member that was there lived in the path of that thing. And when it passed, they never even went in the church. It comes straight for the church, and they were just screaming, Oh, my God, oh, my God. And then it turned, and the outer edge of it come within 100 yards of the church and went down I-64, I believe it was, for a hundred miles, ripping and tearing everything apart. 270 people died in that tornado. When they went to their house, they couldn't find their house because there was nothing left, not even a block, not a tree. Everything was as slick as this carpet. They couldn't determine the street because... The street signs was all gone, and the debris in the streets, you couldn't even find the streets. And uh, pastor called me and said, Brother Bourne, 
if you'll forgive me, we should have been with you when, we, when you left. He said, we didn't lose a member, but everybody lost their house, including us. But we'll make it. They all got new houses. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He called me and said, can you come back? I said, uh, there's not no tornado coming, is there? <laughs> he said, I, that's not in the forecast. And I got back there and he said, look, I, I got you a vehicle. I want to give it to you. And he had me a brand new Ford truck sitting there. Uh, I don't know what, can't remember the name of it. It was um, three, uh, $73,000. And uh, I said, yeah, that's the kind I want. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. It had everything you could put on it and then some. Sir? Every, fully loaded. Even had a uh, thing on the back. And I said, man, I'll come get that any day. So I still got it. I won't get rid of that because that's a special deal for me. And uh, I think, uh, oh, hallelujah. And, and you think God can't work for you. And I know I've, I've held you too long. It's, I've been up here at least 20 minutes. At least 20 minutes over an hour, maybe. But uh, I'm fixing to close. But if you will quit coming to church and let these three musicians and pastor be the only ones that gets involved and you get in here and, and you start bouncing a little bit and you get out now and dance a little bit. You say, well, I don't, I'm not a dancer. Well, well, I was at one place and this man prayed through and he'd come right from the raw world and well, right in the middle of when, right in the middle of the altar service, he just jumped up on the altar and started doing. And I said, "What in the world is that?" <laughs> oh Lord! One of the ladies said, "I'm not coming back." Said that dance. Uh, you know what kind of dance that is? I said, "I know, but I don't know what you was doing that night. You was you was out there doing the Charleston." I said, it comes from the same world that other come from. <laughs> I said, I'm not against you doing a Charleston, but don't be against him for that's all he knows. I said, he'll learn one of these days, kind of like you, you can just sit there. But right now, I don't want him to sit there. So he'd, when he'd, boy, I'd get quiet and he'd hit, he'd hit the aisle. I just watched and said, my God, what do you call that? Y'all know, I guess, but I don't. Uh, so I, I told God, if you'll raise me up and heal me, I promise you, as long as I breathe, I'm going to carry this gospel. And so here I am. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You a dancer? <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. How about you, sir? You're not a dancer? 
What are you going to do when you get to heaven if you make it? God would like you to just jump up and down or do something. You what? Well, that's good enough. You hadn't done it tonight. No, he ain't done yet. And you might be the real cause of someone else getting loose. You say, Brother Vaughn, I'm not going to make anybody do anything, but I'll tell you what, uh, if someone to keep me from falling, I don't intend to fall, but uh, i tell you what I, I generally do. I, I generally pay someone $5 to dance for me. I don't know if anybody wants to make five bucks. <laughs> oh, Lord. You don't have to sit there. Oh, Lord. I, I, I was driving down the road one night, and I was out of gas. I, I knew how, much, how many miles that car would go when it got down to a certain point, and I'd done past that. And I said, God, please help me. Don't let me run out of gas. I'd have, I'd have bought gas. I got money to buy gas, but I couldn't find a station over. If you would just, just give me a fill up here, I, I'll, I'll worship you. And I watched my needle start rising. When it pegged full, I pulled over on the side, and I got right out in the middle of that four-lane highway, and I started dancing. Cars would slow down, and they'd, they'd hang their head out the window, and they'd watch, and I'd say, how y'all doing? And I'd just dance. God, give me a fill-up for free, and I begin to praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he's so good to me, I have to, I have to hold on to something to watch. Oh, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You danced lately? Have you danced lately? No, you haven't. <laughs> you know. Can I, can I tell you one more little thing? This, this one guy, in, I was in Marrero, and uh, he came up to me and said, Brother Vaughn, I, I, I've had a good job all my life, and I, I'd saved up several thousand dollars, several hundred thousand dollars, and I decided I, I lost my job, and I said, I'm going to build a tugboat. He lived right on the water. And so he built this big tugboat and then couldn't sell it. Nobody wanted to look at it. And uh, one night he came to me and said, Brother Vaughn, I've got several hundred thousand dollars in that tugboat that I built. It's sitting right there in the, on the dry dock, and all it needs is dropping in the water, and, I, and no one is interested in it. And so I, I said, um, you really want to sell it? And I said, yeah. I said, well, tomorrow night, uh, you all going to turn me off at this, and I'd be all right. I'll be gone here in a couple of hours anyway. I said, tomorrow night when you get to church, you take your wife. I said, have you ever waltzed? He said, yeah, I know how to do that. I said, well, take your wife in your, in your arms and waltz down the aisle. So church started. I was on the platform, and he stepped in. I said, it's your turn. So he grabbed his wife. 
And they come down the aisle. And he got, when he got to the front, I said, now, because you obeyed, I know all of y'all can disagree with me. That's what I told him. Y'all can disagree with what I've done. But I tested his obedience, and he obeyed. And so he's going to settle that tugboat in the morning. And the next morning, at 7 o'clock, a man called him and says, hey, you got that tugboat? He said, yeah. He said, well, I want to buy it. He told him how much he wanted for it, and the man come there with a big old suitcase and set it down and opened it up, and there was enough cash in there. He paid for that tugboat with $100 bills, and they'd lunched it. So uh, you don't have to do anything, but if you do like Pat, you can go from minimum wages to the richest person in the church in one year. up so much some of the people in church says it wasn't necessary she didn't have to do it and now she's a multi-millionaire and those same people says God's not fair that he give her all of that and didn't give me none but they were sitting there condemning her for acting like that and now they're condemning God for treating her so good and not giving them what he give to her and I looked at him I said Oh, man, you something. All you had to do was do like she done. Just give it everything. And if all you can do is just raise your hand, give it that. If all you can do is raise one hand, give it that. You know, again, one, one more thing here. My Lord. I, I was at this place, and I was preaching, and I, I stopped, and I said, there's a man sitting on the second seat, and I said, Sir, raise both your hands and give praise to God. And he raised one hand, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I said, sir, did, did, did you misunderstand me? I said to raise both your hands. He said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I walked over to him. I said, is something wrong with your other hand? He said, yes, sir. He said, I was in a car accident 14 years ago, and this arm was cut off and cut all to pieces, and they sewed it back and attached it 
and it's been hanging like that for 14 years. I can't move it. Has no feeling. There's no muscle. Just skin stretched over. And it is attached up there, but there's no movement. I said, raise it up and give praise to God. He said, I can't. I said, well, God didn't tell me for you to do that just to make a failure out of you and me. I said, get your hand in the air. And all of a sudden, that hand began to tremble like that. And the fingers come unloosed. And it come up. And all of a sudden, after 14 years without even moving a finger, boy, after that, all the way through the service for the rest of that revival, 10 weeks. I said, y'all could have what he got, the impossible. Here's a, just a frozen arm, 14 years without moving, and there he sat in church, giving all the praise he thought he could give. But when he decided, I'll try, it took about five minutes of trembling, and God turned it loose. He didn't run. He didn't dance. He I don't know what this little darling cost, but I guarantee it wasn't free. I was in Lowe's, minding my own business, and this guy walked up to me and he said, he said, sir, he said, uh, I got a chair out in my car. He said, I, I got car problems and I don't have money. And he says, if you'll give me $15, I'll let you have that that little vehicle I got out there, and he rolled it into Lowe's, and it was just like this one right here. And I, I said, well, man, that's one thing's kind of expensive. He said, well, I got to get my car fixed, and I need $15 to finish up what I got to do to pay for it. And so I reached in my wallet and I pulled out a 20, and I said, here, take the 20. First one I've seen since that day. This yours? 
How would you feel if God just touched you and you didn't need it no more? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Well, God's able. For... <laughs> I guarantee you can't buy that little deal for $15. Do you know what it's worth, what it sells for? I know you it may have been... Well, that's good. That's a wonderful machine. I, I wish I knew what it was worth. Uh, actually, my son looked it up on the internet, and it was seven hundred and forty-five dollars. And I said, well, "I got that thing for twenty bucks." Uh, why don't we why don't we respond? Why don't we respond to the Lord? Come on, I know this place is filled with needs. We got a miracle working God in this place right now. Oh, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, oh come on. Why don't you step out from where you are? Why don't you just begin to lift the Lord? Lift the Lord up with praise and adoration. Oh, I praise you, God. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, we believe you can do anything, mighty God. We believe, oh God, that you can open blinded eyes and unstop deaf ears. We believe that you can completely restore and deliver and we worship you tonight, oh God, because you're worthy. We bless your holy name, mighty God. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Yes, blessed be your holy name. Oh, oh, why don't you believe God to do a miracle in your body right now? Why don't you believe that God will release something in your life right now? Oh, Jesus, we praise you, God, because we believe you're a miracle-working God. And anything is possible with you, God. Anything is possible. Uh, whatever your need is, if you, have, uh, if you have a financial need, why don't you praise the Lord until you begin to understand that God is going to make a way for you. Oh, why don't you open your voice, open your mouth, and let the words of thanksgiving come out. I praise you, Jesus. I magnify your name, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. I'm going to praise you, Lord, for you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be magnified. If you got a need in your body, why don't you praise the Lord? Why don't you magnify his name? Because he's good and he's faithful. Oh, he'll never fail. He'll never leave nor forsake. He is sovereign. We serve the only potentate. He's the ruler. Oh, and anything is possible. Oh, mighty God, we worship you. Oh, mighty God, we worship you. Some of you need deliverance. Why don't you praise until deliverance moves into your life? 
moves into your mind, moves into your spirit. Why don't you praise him until depression leaves you, until anxiety leaves you? Oh, yes. God, we believe it. We believe it. Anything is possible. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Mighty King. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, what the doctor said, what the doctors, the, the report that the doctors give you, why don't you praise your way through that? Why don't you believe that the Lord is not finished? Yes, Oh, oh, if you're in need of freedom, freedom, freedom from depression, why don't you step out from where you are and be, be obedient to, to the Lord? And you'll see those uh, chains begin to slip off of your wrist and your ankles as you step into the liberty that God is about to give you. I'm breaking out. Come on, brother and sister, it's time to break out. It's time to break out from complacency. It's time to break out from that apathy, that scripture faith. Paralyze you from receiving what the Lord has for your life. I say unto you, be loose. Be loose from the heavy burdens oh, that you have carried. Be loose from them and step into freedom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm not content with them being somebody else's story. I want them for myself. I want the miracle for myself. I want the breakthrough for myself. Oh! And I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to respond in obedience to the word of the Lord. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hey, when you begin to worship, the Lord sets ambushments against your enemy. When you magnify the Lord, everything else takes a second place. And his sovereignty in your life takes first place. I'm going to praise him in the midst of my trial. In the midst of my storm, I'm going to magnify his holy name. Oh, because he's going to see me through this. And I'm going to walk in victory every step of the way because I'm a child of the king. Oh, come on, child of the king. Step in. Step into that rightful place as the heir. Oh, as an heir. <laughs> yes, he, 
Yes, yes. He's given you dominion and authority. Come on. He's given you dominion and authority. Why don't you take dominion and authority over the things that have plagued your mind? Yes. Yes. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. We believe you. Oh, Jesus. Come on, the gifts of healing are in this place. The working of miracles are in this place. Yes. Yes. The gift of faith is in this place. Why don't you reach up with faith? Why don't you reach out for that need in your life with faith? With that expectancy to receive. To receive what you're reaching for. If you believe it, you can receive it. Yes, yes. This is my new posture. This is my new posture. I'm going to praise the Lord because He's worthy to be praised. I'm going to praise the Lord because He's worthy to be praised. Yes, 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes, Hallelujah, hallelujah. If we'll get radical about our praise to the Almighty God, He'll get radical about pouring out blessings and favor in our life. Yes, Yabasiate. Oh, how often, how often do we come into the presence of the Lord with needs in our life? I believe every time we step into His presence, there's a need in our life. If we'll get radical about praising Him, He'll get radical about blessing us. Because it's reciprocal. If you draw nigh to him, what's he going to do? He'll draw nigh to us. I'm going to draw nigh to him with my praise, with my worship. But I'm going to expect that he's going to meet me. Oh, thank you for healing my body, Lord. Thank you for touching my life. Thank you for meeting my needs. You're a way maker. Oh, in the middle of the desert, you cause rivers to begin to flow and emerge from barren land. You're the God who can make something out of nothing. You're the God who could cause the rose to grow in the wilderness. You're the one who can do anything. And we believe it tonight, God. Oh, we believe it tonight. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, mighty God. 
Almighty God. Almighty God. Yes, oh Lord. Yes, oh Lord. Hallelujah, 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 oh Lord, oh Lord, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Listen, brother and sister, if we'll get serious about the God that we serve, and we give him everything that we have from this moment forward. The Lord will do what we have never seen him do before. If I commit to being faithful in my worship, in my praying, in my giving, in my obedience, in my willingness, the Lord will pour it out in my life and through my life. He'll pour it out in your life and through your life. If you will respond in obedience and willingness to the Lord. He will do what we read about. He'll do what we hear about. And I receive everything, everything that my brother spoke tonight. I receive it. If you receive it tonight, why don't you reach up with your hands toward heaven and say, God, from this day forward, I'm going to walk with this understanding. I'm going to live my life to praise you, to worship you. Oh, God, because I want to live for you. And no other. I surrender all to you. Take my life and what's left of it and use it for your glory and spend it how you will, Lord, because I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. And I surrender all. Make me a true worshiper to worship in spirit and in truth. Make me, Lord. To hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why don't you repent right now? Why don't you repent right now? For everything that you haven't done and every doubt and every hesitation and every dis act of disobedience, uh, why don't you repent? And why don't you take this moment and become broken for all the things that you know you should have done but haven't done? And we're going to repent so we can surrender to the will and the purpose of God tonight. Oh, I repent of it, God. I repent of every idle word. I repent, Lord, of every, of every empty word, oh God. I repent, Lord, of every praise or every form of worship that was not in sync with my heart. That my words and my heart were not together, Lord. 
I repent, Lord, for finding pleasure in the, in, the, in the wealth, in the world, oh God. And so I turn away from it and I turn to you, God. I turn to you, the supplier of my need, the author and the finisher of my faith, the one who knows where I am at all times. And you'll supply and you will provide. Oh, I hold on to you, God, to your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful when I haven't been faithful. So uh, forgive me for my unfaithfulness, Lord. Oh, and give me the strength to be faithful. Give me the desire and the passion to be faithful, to walk with integrity, Lord, so you can accomplish your will through my life. So you can accomplish your will through my life, Lord. I don't want to just hear stories of how great you have been in other people's lives. We want you to be great in our life, Lord, and through our life, Lord, to bless other people, oh God. Thank you for the increase of faith tonight, Lord. We receive it. We receive it tonight, Lord. We receive the challenge. We receive, Lord, the blessing and the favor of your words, oh God that transform our perspective, our understanding, Lord. Tonight we receive. Tonight we receive it, God. Help us to walk in it, Lord. Help us to walk in it with everything that we have, Lord. Help us, Lord, so we can be agents of change, so we can carry about this precious message, Lord, that you have entrusted into our hands. Oh, your blessings, Lord, are not for us to hoard. Your blessings are for us to pour into others, God. To accomplish your will and purpose, Lord, we want to walk in all of your ways. And walk with boldness, God, to declare to this world the power of your name and the favor of heaven. moment in our world as the church of the living God we need to walk in faith we need to walk in the spirit I want to see people born of water and spirit I want to see their life transformed oh brother Bourne said it perfectly oh a transformed heart is the greatest miracle I'm thankful for the for the things that he does to our afflicted bodies Oh, but to see someone broken at an altar of repentance and see them filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in that language that only the Spirit of God begins to release through their lives. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, why don't we take a few moments and reflect on why we why we are apostolic and why we are people. against skepticism. 
Jesus something in the spirit and priest someday and to me that's what it's priceless you can't put a you can't put a figure to sharing sharing with That's all right. God will give you the strength. Amen. Amen. And what are you going to do Sunday? All right. All right. You're catching on. That's right, sister. Prayer meeting at 1115. We'll be here. Mm. Come on. Come on, intercessors. Come on, prayer warriors. We're going to be here at 1115, and we're going to be praying. Hallelujah. All right. God bless you all. Thank you all for coming out. Why don't you shake hands, be friendly, um, and uh, don't stay out too late because we need you Sunday. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.